Welcome to another episode of From Concept to Company with your hosts, Ashley and Autumn. On this show, we dive in deep with current and aspiring entrepreneurs to learn about their pain points, things they wish they knew before they started, and their successes to date. This week, we are excited to have Crystal Chambly, a cannabis chef who is excited to announce her newest venture, Enoa, and Ra Ra Rivera, founder of Lati. All right, Crystal, it was so awesome to hear that you're launching this new venture you just shared with us a couple of minutes ago. Congratulations on that. Yay, thank you so much. Yay! So for all of our listeners that don't know a little bit about you, um, tell us a little bit about what you do and how you got into being a cannabis chef. Ooh, um... I'm 26. I'm from a farm in Button Willow, California. Yes, shout out my small town. Um, I guess all of this started as a kid. I got alkalasia and it's esophagus spasms that are excruciatingly painful and I've had all these surgeries and blah, blah, blah. And as I got older, I didn't want to take as many medications because it just kind of fogs your day up. And after getting sick for a while and realizing that this is an alternative option by smoking recreationally, mm-hmm. I was all for it. Yeah. And being already in culinary school, I had went to France to study chocolate. I've been to London. I've been in love with food like probably my whole life. And so after watching the Food Network since like eight years old, it was really nice to kind of have all that meet each other and after culinary school, start cooking with cannabis and immediately become part of the new and young cannabis industry of Las Vegas by going into a production facility. Oh, very cool. Yeah. So what got you into being a chef? I've literally, oh, okay. So this one's a great one. Um, I did it last night. Last night I watched Good Eats with Alton Brown. Um, like they redid all the episodes of Good Eats just last year, I believe. And I was in love with that show as a kid. And I grew up in a house with a bunch of other kids. So it was really cool when they were all dying at eight o'clock. I think it's like channel 60 to watch Disney channel. If you go down one channel 59, it was the food network. Mm. And so I would wait till everybody from eight to nine, watch their kids show because I was cool and all, but I really liked the food network. And I would watch watch Mark Summers Unwrapped and Alton Brown's Good Eat. And I was addicted to those instead of cartoons. And I should have known then. That was like the start of all of this. And then I come from a family that cooks. I grew up on a farm style, kind of like community, small town area. It's a mile long. And we have way better produce out there than you guys get. I swear it. So I really got to appreciate Real apricots, oranges, peaches, apples, watermelon, honey coming from five miles of my house. I could walk into my neighbor's backyard and eat a pomegranate off their tree because you say like hi and bye to everybody in town every time you walk down the street. Mm, That's so awesome. I did not have that experience growing up, but I close my eyes and I dream of it. I think one day hopefully I'll end up somewhere like that. Um, so yeah, so watching the Food Network, you fell in love with it. Um, did you go to culinary school right after you finished school? Did you jump into it right away or what, what was your story there? Um, yes and no. So in high school, I moved from Buttonwillow to San Diego and I was going to a school that had a really great speech and debate team. Shout out Mr. Gomes from Mount Miguel. Um, I really, really appreciate you. I probably wouldn't be this confident speaking with you even right now had I never met him. So again, shout out Mr. Gomes from Mount Miguel High School in San Diego because they were really producing students that were just self-confident. And it was just really great that I was able to, from there, have this dream of like being a lawyer. And I definitely thought, like, I'm going to go to law school. I'm speaking in front of these people. I'm very confident in it. I'm crushing these rounds. like, And so it seemed like I'll make a lot of money. Coming from a small town, the idea of making a lot of money is the most important goal. But living with my aunt, thank you, Aunt Viva. She bakes professional cookies. um, And they're just so bomb. And she's always been in love with food. She wanted to go to Paris. And it was so awesome that... 
I got to see her do it firsthand and have all this passion for it and bake from scratch and talk about real butter and real vanilla and growing up in the same place I did and the importance of those ingredients. And so it really gave me this passion for food that came from like deep within because I was watching her cook with the same love that my grandma would have cooked with in the same house. And so it was really developed it was it's in there like from the start so even though I was like I'm gonna go to law school I just graduated high school and I graduated early I had a job I was confident about this SDSU woo I really got almost I guess depressed and I knew that that wasn't it and that day I baked cookies yeah. and they were really good everybody said they were really good the next day I baked more cookies like chocolate chip the next day was her recipe and I was like this is the best thing I ever did so dropped everything and I enrolled in Grossmont Community College and they have a great, great, great culinary program. And I originally took savory classes and then um, James Ferran was my first pastry teacher and he's had a couple of great restaurants and baked for awesome people and traveled and he was the spark. That was my first class. It was like pastry 101 at a community college in mm-hmm. San Diego and it was Again, a great influence by a great teacher. He talked about going to Tahiti and going surfing and looking at vanilla bean or going to this country and looking at different ingredients. And it made me passionate to go to those places and see those ingredients and put them in my food because you had so much passion. And so that's something that's very contagious with me. Oh, I love it. It's a beautiful I love story. It. Yeah, it's such an awesome story. Thank uh, your teachers, people. Like, if you have a bomb.com teacher, like, thank your teacher. I'm all about that. My sister just graduated, and she is a teacher. Woo. And so that's awesome to me. Yes, yes. We don't appreciate our teachers enough, and we don't appreciate, like, the hardships in life. I feel like I recently discovered myself in a way, um, and that all the hardships that I've been through have led to certain things. And it's just kind of crazy how the universe works and leads you to your true like life purpose and mission. Um, you mentioned, was it France? Yes. Tell me about that. Oh my I gosh. I went to France. I've actually been in Paris like three, four times now. Um, and it is wonderful. I spent more on chocolate there than I did my plane ticket. <laughs> I had my first Chouquette on the Champs-Élysées and it was freaking amazing. Mm. Um, I mean, Bread is just on a whole different level, and it's it's almost their snobbishness about food that makes it so great, and it's presented so differently. So when you go into a grocery store, we're used to seeing meat in packages, or it's very... Our butcher section just looks really close together and really... I want to say doctor office style, and I think mm. that's a weird way to present meat. Yeah. When you go to France and you're looking for shrimp, it's fresh, it's head-on, it's sitting on ice. It's like going to like an Asian-style market. When you're getting produce, it's still in the crates, like from the farm. It's a little bit dirty, and it's exactly how you want it. You're not going grocery shopping like once a month you're going grocery shopping daily because you have a smaller refrigerator a smaller kitchen you want quality ingredients and when I say you're going to the butcher you're getting your meat and you're cooking it within a couple days you're not freezing it for long amounts of time so you appreciate flavor I had already started baking when I went over there and this is one that really hit me was learning different terminologies for flour how I'm gonna go from pastry flour bread flour, wheat flour, two different flours, and then learning different terminology for butter. I tried to bake a cake immediately over there, how I knew, and butter is on a whole different ballgame. It tastes so much better. And milk comes out of a carton, and so you really have to learn to be flexible with these ingredients. And I think that the science of that and knowing that it was different from here to there, the quality, the ingredient made me like, that's when I first started nerding out. I wish you guys could see my face. Like, <laughs> or hand which, gestures. It's like Jimmy Neutron brain blasting. Wow. So that's how excited I got instantly about food and knowing that even just butter was different. Yeah. And so it just gave me this great love. And every time I went out on the streets of Paris, it was to do something with food. And I... I got a job there, like babysitting kids and teaching English and whatnot. And I spent all that money again on food <laughs> and to go to London. Um, and they're doing a whole other ball game of cake. Wow. And their frosting is better than I've 
probably anything I've eaten in the U.S. Oh. UK frosting could <laughs> die for. That's why these people have such grand weddings because their cakes are so nice. Noted. I'm going to have to check that out. I have not been yet. It's on my bucket list. After this, I'll tell you how to read a really great price on a plane ticket. Ooh. That's how I've managed to go. Yes. I'm like the queen of a coupon or a discount. Love it. So I'll let you know. <laughs> yes, please do. It's been on my list forever. Um, I thought I'd go for my 30th birthday, and then I ended up investing in a company instead. Woo -woo. <laughs> so, um, yeah, no, it's great, but... It's definitely on my list to go. So you are a cannabis chef right now. You're in Vegas. How did you end up um, starting your own cannabis chef business, essentially? I guess hmm, while still in culinary school, I graduated La Cordon Bleu out here in Las Vegas. Oh. Um, it's really nice. I wish they were still around or they would at least give me my money back. You oh. know, but it is what it is. Um, so I started off there when I was in school, I was catering private chefing and I had some really cool clients who were investment bankers and she was the boss of her company. And she was just telling me like, you have real skill, you can do this. She was paying me $40 an hour. And as some, somebody still in culinary school, that was kind of like a good wage because yeah. I'm not full time. It's not like I can live off of it, but right. doing that made me know that I had great value because I could cook well. Right. And then getting out of culinary school, I applied a bunch online for cannabis positions because I was using cannabis as food, as medicine. Mm -hmm. And one of the places I applied was at Las Vegas Relief. Okay. And that's where Rara was working. Yeah. And I didn't end up working there because my resume had so much cooking experience. They kept me on file. And I end up working at their edibles production facility. Okay. Um, and that was like my jump into it on the mainstream. And I really appreciate that experience because I got to see early on exactly how this was going to go and then grow with it to see how it changed and learn kind of the ins and outs of this is not as hard as they're making it seem. A, once you get the opportunity to be at the table and then when... For me, it was like when you're tired of being at the table, let's build your own. And so, uh, Heidi Keys, Heidi mm -hmm. Keys, who is the owner of Puff Pass and Paint, and Michael Eimers, who's the owner of CannabisTours.com, were coming to Las Vegas there in like six other states. Yes, they actually crush it and kill it. And they needed a cooking with cannabis chef to do the Puff Pass pastry parts of their event. And Rara had been approached by them to kind of like organize all the events while they were here in town, I believe, mm -hmm. and connected us on Facebook and said, hey, I know this great cannabis chef because she had started working with me inside the chocolate room at the edibles production facility. So now we're making chocolate infused candy bars every day. It smells good. It's a happy work environment. It's just the two of us. We're chit-chatting. <laughs> I'm like pouring chocolate. She's tapping them and we're in there and we're building this great bond and experience of also like so did you see that happen over there did you see metric did you figure that out did you hear about this did you hear about that and so it was us getting that firsthand experience in a really young industry and I wasn't built for that and it was kind of like a blessing that Rara saw that in advance and told me hey go over there and cook and they're having more fun because you are getting so bored in the chocolate room because I was making one product every day, eight hours a day plus. Wow. So one thing really well. Yeah. <laughs> and I love chocolate, certified chocolatier. I told you I spent all my money on chocolate in Paris, but it's too boring. And uh -huh. so with Puff Pass and pastry, I was able to every Sunday morning have like 20 people in a room and do infused chicken and waffles and infuse Ooh. the maple syrup so that way we could explain dosing and how to pour more or less syrup depending on what you needed. And if you couldn't do something like syrup, infuse it into your butter if you're diabetic. And it gave you that really intimate experience vibe that you would get almost at a chef's table experience while still 
getting the fun side of cannabis in Vegas, which is what people wanted. I mean, at the time before we got like really crazy strict, we were listed on Groupon. So you could come see me for like a two for one. You could buy your tickets on Groupon. And I have people from all over the world, from Texas, from Illinois, from Wyoming, from Florida. And I have clients who originally came and booked that class and ate with me who have came back and eat with me over and over again. They booked me for their anniversary. They were just here. And it's, it's, it's just so touching, <laughs> like, ah, oh, you guys have to be in the studio to see my face. I'm nerding out. <laughs> you do. <laughs> and her hand gestures, like, you feel it. You feel, I feel you, that energy from I you. I care about them, and that's what it is. I'm a patient first. I was yeah. a patient first. Like, I care about the patients first, and that why it only made sense for me to start, you know, to make sure that patients get alternative options because I've seen a candy bar in a facility be made. I know what you're doing and I know where you can improve at. Right. And I know that the reason that we don't see new and innovative products on the market is because we're only doing what's profitable and what we know how to do really, really well on repeat because we almost don't want to break the formula and not sell it. Right. So if everybody buys a gummy, everybody buys a drink, everybody buys a chocolate bar, then I'm going to make a chocolate bar too. I'm going to make a gummy too. I'm going to make it. It's kind of starts staying the same. And you, if a new company jumps on the market, it seems like the trend is to make gummies because that's what the number one selling product is. Right. But then if I'm diabetic or if I like savory snacks or if I'm on a certain type of diet, then I get left out of the five variety of edibles that you can buy at the dispensary and if i'm not someone that's home educated on cooking my own cannabis then i don't get to really enjoy so usually you hear about these people who have these really bad edible experiences because they got one from x place with no milligrams no labeling no anything and then now they hate them and i really encourage those people to come visit me because i want to change your mind and your experience oh i love that yeah i know a lot of people that have tried once and had a bad experience again wrong dosing and it's much like you know any sort of medication you really have to make sure that you have the proper doses for for what your needs are right that's it's a universal thing and I don't think there's enough education around that yes there is um well I'm just shouting people out I'm one of those people I will never ever like hate on another chick I judge you for who you woke up to be today like I'm one of those people I will fully support you even if I gotta get up early and stay up late to come to your event and like share you on repost you online for free I'm not that friend who like sees you doing what I'm doing and I'm friends with other chefs I'm friends with other female chefs which is something that's like unheard of in the lady chefing world it's like we're really catty I see my own culinary school teacher out there doing the jobs that I'm doing and it could almost be the opportunity for her to like doubt me or want to take me out or little me in the industry. And she's always there to be like, woohoo, chick with a whisk, we love you. Oh, yeah. Like anytime I run at her in an event and she's in the industry as well, and it's never a competition thing. And I appreciate that that's what I have with the other females in the industry. And even though I am not a mom mom, I'm a pig mom. And so I'm part of a group called Herbal Mothers. And Rara actually started that. And it has had a couple of gatherings and events. And those events have given cannabis women a chance to gather without stigma. And it's nice to be like, hey, I support you. And I also familiarize with you. And so I'm one of those people where, like, let me not break the mic, but... Yes, I am all about you winning and I'm the first person there to hype you up because it's contagious. And that's the same thing for education. It's the same thing for energy. If I put it out and I give it to you and she gives it to you and you take it outside and you tell something smart about cannabis to the person who made your Starbucks coffee because they got it wrong and it's taking a little long. And then that person goes home and they tell their grandma and their grandma says, and you know what? Maybe it's not so bad. It's so common now. You heard about it at work. Take me to go to the dispensary. Not even if she doesn't even buy anything, just take me to look because someone mentioned it and they said it in a way that was educated. You know what you're talking about. It builds this trust of something that we've been taught to mistrust. Yes. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I love it. So, Rara, tell us a little bit about you and how you got to where you're at today. Oh my gosh, hearing her story was almost like <laughs> taking us all the way no, back. No, 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 no. Uh, it was such a beginning. It was about, what, two, 2015 okay. when I got into the medical industry. 
But before this medical industry, I was actually a nurse before this. Oh, cool. So everyone goes, you know, you were a nurse? And I was like, yeah, I know. I was I was driving a Jeep before, and now I'm driving my dad's truck. <laughs> so it's like I had everything, and then it was almost like going back to, you know, almost like after you graduate high school and finding a job, like, next to Target or something, yeah. you know? So it was really different. Um, but I am originally from L.A. I was born and raised there, and I moved here when I was about 15. I was about 15. Um, and, you know, I did the typical things, normal high school things, little rebellious girl here. So, you know, marijuana was always a part of my life, whether, like, say it or not to my mom. But you know, I was probably smoking it since I was about 10. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then I actually had a son in 2014, right before the industry, you know, became medical. Okay. And I never knew about postpartum, mm. but I was one of the victims of postpartum, oh. which ended up lasting over the amount of time that's typically supposed to happen, or, you know, last. So mm-hmm. instead of the normal, like, one month to three months and then finding your place back in the world, yeah. it actually lasted two years. Oh. And that took me away from how I, you know, naturally was and how I knew I was as a person through, like, friends and everything. I was very outgoing. I was always out there, always trying to be adventurous and spontaneous. And next thing you know, I couldn't even drive the, ca- the car down the street because I was too scared of, you know, what would happen between you know, point A and point B, because now I have a son. Now I'm more responsible. Now I have more worries on top of everything else in the normal life. Mm. Um, So I actually asked for help, um, you know, like for medication to help me get myself back to where I was in the past from from what I remember myself to be before being a mother. And I ended up getting prescribed um, Zoloft for like depression and anxiety, and it only made it worse. So I couldn't even work anymore. Um, When I came back to Vegas after I had my son, um, I started working in Spring Valley Hospital and couldn't even last a day because of all my anxiety. So I ended up staying home again for about a few months and then started looking for jobs, maybe more fun jobs. So I was trying to find something outside in Vegas, you know, anything that was there that would be more fun than being, you know, stuck in a hospital where everyone else is sad. So (laughs) it's it's true. Um, And I ended up finding, like, the cannabis industry. And what really hurt me there was, you know, oh, wow, this is going to be medical, but they're only paying them, like, $15 an hour? Yeah. Who less? So that's kind of the battles of this beginning industry. Right. Um, but yeah, that's how I kind of end up in industry, though. Like, okay. I went from that medical state to, you know, being into the, the retail world, and I ended up falling in love with it. So now I could say, like, cannabis is my world. Yes. <laughs> And I know Crystal mentioned earlier that, you know, Herbal Mothers was there. That's kind of how we also found each other in a very, like, universal way, which is really nice. Um, I was trying to find more education based off of what I was selling, you know, because there was not too much education to back up everything that was happening during that time when the medical industry was coming out. Right. And I had to just do a bunch of research, research off of, like, other pot people that were, (laughs) you know, at home kind of experimenting with edibles and just writing down what they knew and trying to sharing, like, trying to share it with people. Um, I started researching, and then I found Heidi Keys. <laughs> Heidi Keys. Again, Heidi Keys, we love you. I know. Even though it was at the black market in the beginning, <laughs> it definitely went far. Um, she was from San Francisco, and I saw that she was doing events. And I was trying to come up with a way where I could find like-minded people, or people like me. I was young at the time. I was think, I think I was about, like, 23, 22, 23. Okay. And... I was like, hey, I need money or I need, like, something. I was like, can we, like, have an event? And I was like, my thoughts that I'll bring, like, mothers. I don't know where from, but it, I come, people come through these dispensaries all the time. I'll just ask them if, you know, they have a son or why they're here. And that kind of bring that common ground to, you know, every mother's kind of scared to tell people that they're smoking. So... Heidi was all for it. She's like, actually, I wanted to move my paint class to Nevada. She's like, that seems where, like, all the tourists are going. That, like, what we had in common was that everyone wanted to, like, spread the word. Yeah. You know, they wanted to spread the word and make this feel, like, so normalized. And I, just with everything, like, I fell in love with it. Like, I fell in love. Oh, my gosh. Sorry. <laughs> I fell in love with this, you know, the thrill of, like, not knowing what was going to happen and if we were going to, like, be in trouble for what we were doing or, like, it was going to go full force and everyone halfway around the world was going to hear about us. I want to jump in on that part. So saying if we were basically going to get arrested or if we were going to be famous, it is kind of an in-between because while we were doing it, it was generating so 
much attention. Like mm-hmm. the Fox 5 News came out and High Times came and wrote an article in Mary Jane Mar- Magazine did an article on me for Father's Day because I was doing cooking with cannabis for like infused chicken wings. Fun. We were just, in, we were in Vegas Cannabis Magazine. We were in Elevate Magazine and it was a big thing here in Vegas and it we got to be on Groupon and this and that and this and that. And we were operating for a while adding classes from Puff Pass and Paint. Then it became Puff Pass and Pottery, so you can make your own ashtray or bong. We had Puff Pass and Pamper, make your own fused facial. We had Puff Pass and Poof, which was Michael Cassini, who actually owns um, Cannabis Cactus Magazine now. And he does magic, and so you could smoke and get, like, instead of a comedy show, a magic show. And it brought all these people with a cause together. And we were doing this for months, and then the state... Starts emailing out this letter that says, like, it is unlawful to invite people to your house to consume cannabis. It's unlawful to hold a cannabis event. You are not allowed to operate as a cannabis lounge. Consumption at your home is for private use only. Please comply with all of these BS rules. Um, Basically, (laughs) because you're not paying us our, like, 27% tax on it. Blah, 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 blah. You cannot do that. And so... It was kind of an overnight shutdown thing. They start hounding me. I was getting messages from the news in my inbox. People were contacting me on Facebook. Are you going to stay in business? Are you illegal? Like, can I still come to my class? I've already bought a ticket. And Mike and Heidi, I think uh, Mike jumped in and he did an interview via Skype and was telling them we're going to finish our class for the end of the month for the tickets we've already sold. We're going to voluntarily shut down. We don't want to go against the state on any of this. We definitely want to be part of the solution to leading to this on a legal level. And so let's be good examples. And they did that, but with doing that, basically eliminated my job. And that gave me one. Cause I was always like, why, why, why? Like why this letter on my door? Like why the money that I'm getting from just like working so hard, my banks are getting shut down. I was like, I don't understand. Like, how are you figuring this all out? Just by promoting on Instagram, they're finding us, you know? It was really crazy. Like, finally, I found my passion on where I wanted to build my business and my world in, and people were shutting us down left and right. So it's a constant battle. Like, it's a war. And it wasn't like we were here operating as illegal dispensaries, like, come buy an ounce from me. We're rolling up joints with people who are painting pictures. Yeah. Or training them on basically how to smoke and still have fun, which people that were starting to use cannabis were finding their life again. Right. And that's the thing, like, that's a really big passion of Autumn and I's with Action Mavens. It's educating aspiring and current entrepreneurs on the steps that they need to take to be legally compliant. Like, it's absurd how many rules and regulations there are federally, but then even when you go down to a city level, having to have your business license and making sure that if you are an individual person, if you don't have an LLC, you need to be a DBA. And this is how you need to, you know, properly get a certificate. And how many people are you allowed to have in your home in your particular city or business based off of that particular city? Like, for example, there's a city in Minnesota where certain areas are considered to be um, industrial and certain areas are considered to be just home areas. I can't think of the word off the top of my head. Um, But this particular city only allows you to have five customers out of your home per day. And if you hit that one six, you get a giant fine. So we can't educate everybody on every particular city and county's rules, but it's so important to us to educate people on the fact that how they can look up those rules and make sure that they are in compliance so that they don't get shut down. Mm-hmm. Um, because there's, it's kind of like in high school, you don't get taught how to do your taxes. Exactly. Like when you're starting a business, you don't get taught like all of the things, all of the steps that you need to follow. And even the SBA website is really confusing and it's overwhelming and the information is so inconsistent it's insane and we are so tired of seeing entrepreneurs who have these amazing things that are making a difference in so many people's lives and they're passionate about it and then they miss one tiny little step and they get shut down preach that and they get Mm -hmm. fined and all these things happen and we're like no we need to fix that we need to figure out a way to fix this and make sure that these entrepreneurs don't miss these steps and they are successful in whatever they're doing. Um, so yeah, so that's pretty much why we launched Action Mavens in the first place. Yay. We saw this happen to people so Amazing. many times. 
It is so necessary. It is beyond necessary. I think if anybody can relate to how necessary that is, I think it's us (laughs) directly just because that is, I mean, that's pretty much your job. The marijuana industry has the, it's the strictest compliance in the country. And it's hard for someone like me, like from start to finish on the short version, just to play the game you have to have some kind of name and then if you're not directly a production facility a cultivation a dispensary a grow you probably don't have those direct connections so you have to kind of like the same thing you're doing here buy the space in the building because you don't have those licenses and they know you have to buy that space in the building people will charge you out outrageous numbers are nickel and dime your business to death. So someone like me who is still working while trying to develop a business can't even sit at the table because I'm playing on a table that has two legs. It's always wobbly. It's do I go to work or do I go to the office and work on the business? Do I post for me to have a catering job or do I post my brand? And it gets so hard so you can't chase the brand. I can't ever quite be legal. I mean, even technically now, my job is not fully legal. If I host a cooking with cannabis class for you, if I don't follow the strictest of rules, like you go to the dispensary, you purchase your own weed, me being very careful what I do and do not tell you on how to use your weed and whatnot, like I can't bring it to you to the class. You can't pay me for it. I can't pre-make your butter and save you time. There are these regulations that I have to go by or I'm illegal now. Right. So to have people see and want those things and not have them be available was really saddening. And the way Yanoia actually started was a company approached me to film what I do. And it was beyond like the YouTube video style home Susie maker buy all these machines that you don't really need that are way too expensive. Could you film on a professional level your cooking with cannabis segments for us? And I was beyond excited because what they presented was of some of the higher quality of anything I had ever been presented. And so Tevi approached me and was like, here's just what it is. After speaking with him, it was like, you're so talented. You have these great ideas. I think that would actually work. And if a dollar is the only thing keeping you from being able to invest in yourself, then let me provide that and see what happens. The possibility from there after everybody meeting, bringing in the right people, talking to Rachel, talking to Marcus, like uh, talking to my boyfriend, he's a chef himself, and just seeing I've already basically done this before with people who couldn't hold up their end or their cup of the hot water to make sure we got to the full end. And now seeing that team come together and developing that and it coming together so quickly is a dream. And it's it's me, them 100% backing me up because they're not familiar with the cannabis industry and knowing that and knowing that I want my position to be an R&D in the kitchen, developing new products, bringing new things to the market, making sure that we have an edible for everyone, making sure everyone's edible educated. I can't do all of that by myself. And so I have to have someone like Rawa who's going to take the a picture of the equipment and send it to the state so that we can approve it and they know it's NSF and we're not clicking on anything that's not commercial great. Make sure that they know our logging system for the oil that we're using and the edible products that we're using from flour, sugar, butter, eggs are all of quality. Have we checked their expiration dates? Making sure everybody in the building is health code qualified to even be touching the product. Do you have your state agent card? Did you enter all that into metric correctly? Are we seed to sell tracking? Is it packaged and child proof packaging? Did we label it before we go out the door? Do we make sure to the last detail that everything was done the way it's supposed to be? And a lot of that is computer work. A lot of that is before I can even step into the kitchen and make any of this. I have to go through weeks, if not months, of paperwork, approvals, inspection, sending your packaging back and forth, sending your ingredients label back and forth, sending your method of infusing back and forth, getting your approval letter All of that has to happen before I can ever go talk to any of the great dispensaries and say, can I be on your shelf? Can you give me a shot? Do you want to buy this? Can we put it out to a consumer? Like, let me know. And so it's, it's just insane. It's basically your whole dream can come crashing down before you even start it. If you do not get the the paperwork, (laughs) the professional (laughs) help, the 
that's really what it is. It's just metrics. Market, you know and you mean? come from the black market where you don't have to see to sell to crack. Then they try to come to the legal one, and then they're just like, let's make edibles. I've made this 20,000 times in my kitchen. Mm-hmm. And you, you go to the do legal it. one, or yeah. someone gives you the opportunity to go into their legal kitchen and they're like go full force and next you know you're using all the wrong things but you're like this is a normal spatula but marijuana doesn't require a normal <laughs> spatula they require like non-stick know- with, <laughs> that doesn't separate from the handle because you don't want any food particles in it's there which is, it's not can't be wood down to like what cutting boards you cut that on and what you use and this isn't I don't take any of that with stress I love doing that part I appreciate enforcing that part I because we don't have the same standards as a kitchen would have because we're a different regulated type of market. I think that, I'll tell you the same thing I told Vice. This is Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory. I love what I do in here. It's all just magical food science working up. But the minute I touch cannabis and I put those gloves on, I'm serious. This is medicine. And I say that because I'm eating it too. I'm not giving anybody anything that I am not eating myself. You know, it's crazy in this industry. You know how you're talking about, you know, you're not eating this yourself. But in a cannabis kitchen, when you're cooking products to provide to someone, you can't even taste it. Oh, no. Everything is lab tested. And even that comes with a cost to make sure that you know that when I say I put in 58 milligrams of THC and 58 milligrams of CBD, that's exactly what you're buying. And that comes at a cost to the person producing that and understanding how to put that in the system so it gets to the dispensary, so it gets to the consumer, so it's on the label. That's a skill of its own that you would need to understand from being in the industry and having someone be able to do that to make sure the quality, love, care, precision that I put into the edible is also translated into the label translated into the packaging is translated even into by us having the strictest regulations the experience that you have at the dispensary when you're purchasing it and I really appreciate that but again to be able to get to that level it takes a lot of work and more so it takes a lot of dollars and I'm sure you ladies know and have heard it many a times it's not always the what you know it's the who you know it's the who you know so everybody listening to this right now it's so important to be connected and being an introvert myself, like it took me a really long time to realize, okay, I need to get out of my shell. I need to go out. I need to talk to people. I need to make the connections and those connections are going to catapult you and introduce you to the people that you need to know. Yes, you can do a really easy Google search and be like, okay, I need to find this particular type of person. But that initial introduction, we just had Michael Sartain on the show. Shout out to Michael for everything that he had to say um, for all of our podcast people. But you talked about the power of connections and being that person that also connects people for other people. It's so important. Um, so you guys got connected. Tell me a yes. little bit about like what's your daily role like? So I actually do run a cannabis facility here. I okay. run a grow and that's only obviously sustained my passions as well. Just like, you know, Crystal, how yeah. she was talking about, you know, it's so hard to do your daily grind and like, you know, basically like follow your dreams. Um, we need to be able to make money, you know, to fill those areas. Um, so basically what I do is I'm a director of operations and I basically make sure that the, the dispensaries or the facilities that I'm running are basically like under compliant. Okay. You know, they're compliant. They're following all the regulations. But within our regulations, it's not like a normal business. There's lots of loophole because not only are we trying to figure things out and do everything the right way, so is the state. Yeah. You know, whether they want to, you know, admit to that or not, we know it by being inside. You know, something could say, you know, you can make chocolate bars, but they don't say you can't make chocolate bars in shape of the shape that you're selling them in. Right. But nothing stated that. Yeah. So basically, I'm like the eyes of ears of the entire facility. And I have to make sure that everyone has their gloves on or everyone's making sure that the chocolate's the same exact quality that we submitted, you know, under the regulations when we did our applications. And no one's lying. Right. You know, no one's lying. Everyone's doing it all the right way. And it might seem so easy to do it all the right way, but there's a lot of people who see the money or see the outcome and we start to take shortcuts to make more and more and more. Preach. (laughs) (laughs) So I just make sure everyone's in line, basically. That's all I do. And I connect all like the systems together. There's a system, there's people that package, you know, there's people that extract. Every part of it needs to work together in a source though. You know, for Crystal to get her edibles made, she needs oil. But where does she get the oil from the people who extract the flour? 
but then the people who extract the flower need to grow the flower and it takes months and months to grow these flowers and it takes lab testing so i need to make sure everything doesn't have mold the coas are there you know we have the soil amendments like we need to know every part of this product mm-hmm. it's just like making a pharmaceutical you need to know what lab it's coming from what components go into it I got to make sure that everything is correct and approved to make sure that they can make the best quality edibles for this market. Right. And we've had recalls in the market from flour to edibles. So her job is critical. It is the minute this edible leaves the door, did you track how many you sold Essence, how many you sold Planet 13, how many you sold New Woo? Do you know what batch that came from? Do you know what day you sold it to them? Did you enter that into metric when you put it in metric and it got to New Woo and they labeled it and they stickered it and you realized, hey, we used expired vanilla or the oil that we got back has now been anonymously tested and it's failing for, it could be heavy metal, a pesticide mold, whatever it is. It could have been tested by one lab and passed and then tested by another one and failed. So now it's my job to, or it'll be Rachel's job to make sure that I contact new, I contact planet 13, I contact essence. And I say, Hey, do you have any of those bars on the shelf? Can you pull them? Make sure we put in our system what happened to those bars with metrics so the state knows that we were compliant when we pulled them. And it may be voluntary or regulated. And it's just for the safety, the same way the food industry has that. And that's something that I would care about and look at. We don't have those regulations because cannabis is not federally regulated, even though we have a state board agency group type Mm -hmm. thing that comes in and inspects the facility and they will check that you know how to do sanitation or you're wearing gloves, but they may not be checking other things because Mm -hmm. that health inspector person is not coming in with that set of skills and those eyes to be looking at it. It's a self- checks and balances system. So if you don't have the honesty to self and check balance yourself, then what can end up happening is you can get greedy. You will cut those corners or you won't pay attention to those necessary requirements that could put somebody who's consuming that product at risk. And that's never the goal because we have such a young and I feel like temperamental industry. Anytime something bad comes out about us, it's like bash us. It's like if you have bad Mm. product, what product are you smoking? You're going to go right back to the brand. Yeah. So we got to make sure the quality is key quality of what this brand originated, like you know, originally wanted. So if you wanted craft flour and you wanted craft edibles, you got to make sure all of it's clean, right? Because everything's going to the labs. So when you grow marijuana, I got to make sure when they're packaging it or whoever is, you know, maintaining that area, that if you drop a bud on the floor, that bud's done. Yeah. That Bud has to be documented. We got to weigh it. There's a lot of things we got to do before we can throw it in the trash. And you don't just throw it in the trash normally. So I have to make sure and train the people that are working these facilities to make sure they do it all the right way. Because this is prescription to some people. These are people's lives again. Right. Right. Absolutely. And that's the thing for all of our listeners that are listening, even if they don't want to get into the cannabis space, if they're looking to get into any sort of food industry, right? Like mm-hmm. maybe you want to come out with a cookie company, for example, or a cupcake company. Is this, we have that honesty or that integrity <laughs> matters. The honesty and the integrity is so important in making mm-hmm. sure that you understand like what comes along with starting a company where you're giving consumers food, something yeah. that they're going to be ingesting into their bodies. Like you can't just go, okay, I'm going to do this from home and it's going to be unregulated and nobody knows where the eggs came from and if they're expired or if they're still good and all of these things that come together. It's like, no, you have to do this on a big scale because this is something that somebody's ingesting and the yeah. FDA does have their eyes on it. And in an unregulated industry, there's a lot of questions that haven't been answered. I know specifically. Where are the answers? Yeah. <laughs> We're getting looked to right now, like live for these answers. And that's why it's important, excuse my French, to not fuck it up. To have that integrity in that standard that you're talking about because we're so young. It's like, don't red market early. Don't get too greedy. Don't get sloppy. Don't lose that passion. Like, stay. Everybody wants to claim this. And since we're out there claiming it, stay top shelf. Stay top shelf, stay organic, like grow with real passion. Don't just grow 9 million trees to make a lot of money and they're shitty trees because no one wants that. And if that's the example that we're setting, we're going to get bashed. And that my personal in like my image means a lot to me. The fact that you're going to recommend me for your catering because I was clean, I was on time, my food was good, like I gave you exactly what you paid for. I'm honest with 
they don't got sweet potatoes, I'm going to tell you the day before they didn't have sweet potatoes mm-hmm. and I exchanged your menu item. If you're happy with that, if you're unhappy, let me credit your account because I'm going to want you to book with me again. Yeah. I'm going to want you to buy Yanoya over and over and over and over again because it's well thought of and it's just a quality, beautiful, edible that is worth the value because I put that out there. If you're thinking of that product and then you're thinking of me, you're going to associate that. And some brands or people who own these brands, I think it's there's these great big ownership groups with these 10 people who have a lot of money who are not really recognized as that brand. Mm-hmm. And so they don't have that passion behind it to then be like, let me represent it to this. Let me, people are going to associate me with that product. Right. Let me hold myself to that standard. They're just mm-hmm. associating themselves with that product to the check back to their account. Right. Well, what we see it a lot in the CBD industry. A lot of brands literally just go to the same white label company and they're mm. like, okay, we just want you to infuse the exact same thing that, that's already out there in the market. With and CBD. With, yeah, <laughs> but just put CBD in it where you have this amazing background. I wish that our listeners can see the look on my face and my hand gestures, but she has this amazing background and it's just so inspiring to see somebody that has this awesome chef background and personal story about how cannabis has helped you and then for you to bring it all to to where this new company is launching so tell us a little bit about your products you're launching with um so this is one that we are currently working on and i have i've been approached for this one so many times so it's almost surprising that it is not out in the industry just mm-hmm. killing it but I think you just they wanted a real pro to just come out and season it up real good for them <laughs> so popcorn as a popcorn fanatic I just I gotta have it there's chocolate bars there's gummy bears there's laffy taffies there are drinks there's all these products on the market and every single one of them is sweet and as mm-hmm. much as I love sweet, I'm a salty snack girl. I'm the person who gets the $8 extra large bucket of popcorn at the movies. I find the exact right time <laughs> yes. to make sure. And I'm like double sprinting <laughs> to the front. Please fill it up. Extra butter. I love popcorn. And I think that we need that stay clean but shareable type of snack. Mm-hmm. And I know that there are many regulations on edibles. You can't have a sucker because it comes on a stick. You can't have certain shapes because they're appealing to kids. And popcorn's not labeled to kids. When you read a popcorn box, it says like caution for children because of choking hazard, blah, blah, blah. And it's an adult type of snack. You can get a white truffle popcorn that's very high class in flavor. And being able to infuse it to a 10 milligram serving for someone who's intaking a small amount. You may be a tourist. You may be my father-in-law because we're just bringing him around to the side of edibles. You may be someone who has had a bad experience and you want to start off with a low dose or with a snack that's familiar to you. Mm -hmm. And so I think that that is an option. I've made candy bars for the industry. I have a very, very beautiful line of hexagon shaped candy bars coming out. Um, Again, I wish I could show you guys, but all you can hear is my voice on this mic, probably sounding like a super nerd. So please go hit me up online if you want to see those, uh, philyanoia.com. And we have uh, a couple other products in the works that I'm pretty sure Michelle and Tevi don't want me to talk about yet. All right, but we'll our main, yes, you'll definitely have me back. I'll definitely have to bring With them. Popcorn. Main <laughs> Main products are popcorn right now and okay. candy bars. And then we have a few other things in the works and uh, more so flavors. I think that the opportunity to stay low dose, to have this 10 milligram bag of popcorn or a hundred milligram bag of popcorn and give you the option and size to eat it in doses, eat the whole thing at one time, add it to your bucket of popcorn at the movie so you can pick through it slowly or eat one appropriate size bag, get your 10 milligrams, feel really, really nice is a great option and so I think that more so there I have a great product there are plenty of popcorn shops the movie theaters know what they're doing they sell it I love it I think flavor is where we come in the same way everybody doesn't like dark who doesn't like milk who doesn't like white if you don't want spicy cheddar because it's too hot for you I want white cheddar because that's more so your palate if you don't like sugar cookie then I want to make sure I have churro for you because that's something that's you're familiar to you like cinnamon and I think that that's going to give me a lot of options to play throughout the season to R&D flavors mm-hmm. to find cool ingredients so 
and my caramel popcorn is to die for. I use real vanilla. Mm. Back to that teacher who went yeah. to Tahiti and talked about vanilla. I got really into that, so I use real vanilla. Um, and my caramel popcorn is one that we'll be sampling out first, and so I'm really excited Yay. about that because it's my personal recipe. Ooh. Yeah, I'll Make bring you hungry. guys some. <laughs> we'll, we'll get. We have CBD um, as well as okay. THC. I will be at MJ Biz, um, and I will actually be catering one of the minorities for medical marijuana after parties for MJ Biz, and we're giving a non-infused samples and so i'm very very excited to be getting samples out to the public to try soon so if you see me at mj biz tell me that you want the chick with the whisk goodie and i got you okay all right so one final question for you guys you're gonna have to each answer separately what's one thing you wish you knew before you started your own ventures you go first. You want me to go first? <laughs> you go first, because I got to think about that. <laughs> From what I think, it's it doesn't sound very businessy, but I think it's something that can relate to everyone else. It's self-care. Yes. Because, you know, building a business, being a female in this industry, not even when you're not a female, there's battles. You know, whether you're a male, there's a battle that you have running a business or building one. And as a female... I mean, I could say as for, from experience, it's there's a lot of stigma stuck to us, you know, yeah. especially being in the 20s. A lot of people, I used to think when I was 15 that I believed a lot of people in my 20s, you know? Mm-hmm. Now I'm like, can I even believe a 50-year-old, you know? <laughs> <laughs> no offense, but it's like, but taking care of yourself, being able to go through all those mental challenges that you're going to face, growing and learning, and you just got to stay open-minded. But I also got to, re- you know, remind myself every single day, I got to take care of myself. I can't forget to eat, which I forget a lot, yeah, you know? We all do that. Yeah, That's because a- you're just like, if I just, you know, if I don't take a break and I get through this, maybe I'll get successful a little quicker. You know, yes. but the, you can't beat time. Yeah. You really can't beat time. So I really would say, you know, self-care. Take care of yourself first, always. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I got caught up in it starting my company five years ago. I would sit in front of the computer. I had a, a medical background as well before getting into marketing. And so working the 12-hour shifts was like nothing to me, second nature. So mm. I'd find myself working in front of my computer for 15, 16, 18 hours a day. And I would literally sit there and... I would forget to get up to eat mm-hmm. or go to the bathroom or any of that stuff. I just look up and I'm like, oh, shit, like where'd the time go? Yeah, and you know what's going to fuel our minds? Nutrients. Yes. We need those vegetables. <laughs> so that's why I would say self-care because we yeah. can't think without the food. Okay. Yeah. No, and now we're talking about food. Imagine <laughs> we didn't eat and we're talking about food. How horrible is that? I do that one. So even as a chef and if you like read those chef stories and you watch those chef documentaries, we are not like bomb.com just eating all day on the line and of course you taste everything to make sure it's good but it's kind of like once you start cooking if you jump into Dwayne knows this one like a 10-hour shift at the MGM if you're on the line you do not eat they'll have they'll like yell at another chef who's on Mm. break hey will you make me a turkey sandwich and then you go and you stand by the stove if it's cold and you're like in the back and you kind of watch your station to see how many tickets are printing and you eat that turkey sandwich really, really quickly. And it might be great because that person knew you like tomatoes and they put truffle oil on it because like, fuck the hotel you work for and they don't pay you enough anyway. And so like, you might get this really like, Dwayne will eat filet mignon for lunch sometimes with like Jack Daniels like or something and like truffle instead. And I'm like, how did you eat that? And he's like, because I also didn't take a lunch break. So whatever they were eating in that five minutes on the line is what you get to eat. And there's this really famous photo of a chef sitting on like a like a milk crate type of box right next to the stove and it's peaked open with a little ball of aluminum foil and he's hunched over a small plate and he's eating and it's like this is this is what it really is. It's not that Gordon Ramsay, like Rachel Ray, 30 minute meal, super beautiful makeup done. Emerald Lagasse, bam. As much as that is what y'all think it is when you like sign up for culinary school. This is when I super remember. Look to your left, look to your right. Now say goodbye to one of those people because at graduation, they won't be here because it takes a lot to cut it as a chef. It's really sacrifice if you find that niche and you have a passion and you love it and you get into it it so works but if not then you end up 
burnt out in your office, not eating, not sleeping enough, worried about if you're going to be successful, wanting that raise, oh, yeah. trying to go from director of operations to VP at the cannabis company because you need to make a salary that's actually livable. Like we know firsthand what that part is like. And yeah. for you to say yeah. it is almost like scary because I'm at the beginning of starting this company. Mm-hmm. Crystal, don't forget. And, you know, yeah, I'm glad you said that, you know, Mm. some startup companies don't have a lot of money, but then if you find the people that partner up with you and provide you with X amount, which, you know, she's been pretty blessed with currently still, they're going to have a budget, you know, and with that budget, you might have to cook the cannabis yourself or, you know, grow it yourself, infuse it yourself, pack it yourself, label it yourself. And they're going to probably give you two people to help you, but you're trying to support, you know, the whole Nevada with your product. So it's like through all that hard work, you got you, you end up forgetting She's about yourself. So that's why I always think, you know, that's the biggest challenge I think in life yeah. is to take care of yourself. Absolutely. What about you? Ooh. At the beginning, I wish I wish I would have had a better conversation with myself. Okay. Like I probably should have now I do it, and now that I do it, I understand, but I call it, so I call it current crystal, or say like past crystal, yeah. and I'll go future crystal, and I may be driving in the car, and I'll like turn the music down, and I did this when, you know what happened, when I knew I'm about to hit the ground running, like I'm standing at start with my baton. Mm. Future crystal, you got this. Yes. Like, and it was like, I can't wait to be sitting with you like me forward in time and mm-hmm. looking back at me then in the car driving thinking about this moment and going like bitch you did it and me going like you knew you would you was me <laughs> <laughs> like duh you knew you would you was me so I I really was like you gotta remember to tell yourself how long this took how many times you like Ended the day, sat in your car, cried. Like how many times? Like you said, how many phone calls? Where it's like, what do I do? But you made it, or you had to save the make it for the next day. I really wish when I started this, I would have known or told myself how many times I was gonna fuck up, and then to tell myself to be really, really proud for all those little wins. And I'm really glad, like, I'm so glad for my support system because now I have those people that tell me, like, girl, you killed it, or congratulations, or I saw your progress, or do you need a little bit of help, or it gets really easy, and especially as a woman, to feel like you got to do it all. Like, you really, and especially when you're starting a company, the stigma that comes with, like, failing is like, she Mm -hmm. couldn't do it. People are waiting for it. And especially, like, it seems like now because we live on Instagram and reality and we only post the best and we only seem to be posting those really big wins, Mm -hmm. we don't appreciate those small ones. And even getting a business card for my brand made to have that just in my hand was a little win to somebody else. If you're a really big company and you go from one company to another and you're handed a box of business cards, you're like, it's nothing. But to have that say like partner of the company, founder, owner, executive chef, like to that, for that to be mine to hand to you is such a big but little win that I would have never appreciated before. And so I think that I have to tell myself like every step is a good step. Even if it's today you like super failed, you got rejected. The state said no to your packaging. That means there's a better package out there for Mm -hmm. you. Girl, go find it. Yes. And so I think that like almost it's not self-care, but it's Mm self-appreciation for yourself, for your company, for the people that you support with your company, for the connections that you're saying, like networking is important, for the connections you make with that energy. Because now I've started something that I can bring Rara into and say, help me Mm -hmm. because I need your expertise. That part feels good. I know that her small business that started off really young in the industry meant my small business that started off and I'm going to support her with it. And it's like, girl, go. And it's just, it's it's just really (laughs) that part. We don't celebrate it for long enough. Or if we post it, we only give ourselves as much validation as how many likes we got. 
So if it only got 30 mm-hmm. likes, I feel oh, like man. I only only 30 people thought I was cool. And I'm like, and I was here like you're so cool. Keep going. <laughs> yes. If I, I just want to throw this out there. Like, I think we've been going for like an hour or whatever. If you're a female and if there's another female, even if she does exactly what you do, if she's a singer, she is a chef, go support her. Like, just go. You don't even got to know her. Just get in her inbox and say, girl, your page was everything. And you are good. And I saw it. I just recognized it, and I think that that would go a long way. We don't got to be out here competing with each other. I love that so much. I I, I, I want to reiterate for all of our listeners out there that our females are sitting in a room full of them right now, awesome entrepreneurs. It's tough out there, and we have to support each other as much as we possibly can. I can't reiterate it enough if it's just a an exciting DM like you just mentioned, or if it's supporting the business and, and buying into whatever they're doing just to show some love. Like it's so, so, so important to also surround yourself with other female entrepreneurs and to lift each other up and to be those cheerleaders. They said teamwork makes the dream work. Yes, it takes a village, ladies. <laughs> I think we forget that sometimes. So you got to say it yes, a few times. Yes, absolutely. Well, one last question, and then I want you to leave everybody with your social media handles and stuff. But that one last question is because they can't see your super awesome mug that you were attracted to. Oh, what's it say? What does it I say? I can't even see it from here. Better later. Then never with a cute little picture of a latte. And if you would like to see the cup, you can go check out at chick with a whisk, W-H-I-S-K, whisk, that thing you whisk up all the good goodies with in the bowl. Um, at Instagram, Crystal Chambly, K-R-I-S-T-A-L, Chambly, C-H-A-M-B-L-E-E. And that's how you can find me on Instagram, Facebook. I don't have a Twitter. I don't got a LinkedIn, a Snapchat. <laughs> A TikTok, none of that. I'm only on Instagram as of right now. If I get cool enough, y'all, I'll expand. But right now, it's at Chick with a Whisk on Instagram, and you can find me. And I'm like super friendly in real life, like, and I have no friends. So if y'all want to hang out, inbox me, and I'm all down to meet up. She's lying. She has a lot of friends. <laughs> I was like, I don't think I'm a believer. What about you? Where they can find your stuff? You can find me on Herbal Mothers on Instagram. Okay. Um, I have a few handles, but Herbal Mothers is mainly for this industry. I'm also very spiritual, so I have gone to Reiki, but my oh, cannabis cool. business is Lottie. That is the consulting company that I do help Inoya with. Um, those don't actually have handles just because I go just by the word, you know, by referral and everything. There's only so much my little brain can handle. Uh, but you can find me on Facebook and Instagram with Herbal Mothers. Okay, perfect.